This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and today I have a great show for you because I am joined by the one and only Sean Anderson of the Fast Break. Hello. I'm so happy to have you here. Yes, the Fast Break Podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. I'm it's been here. a while. It has been. It's We're been gonna, like two months or something. Something like that. And it's, it's a travesty, to be honest. Um, but first, before we get into everything, I got to plug some stuff. First, mainly our Patreon page, patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast, because what what we've been doing with that is entertaining you, as well as being able to do more, like showing our beautiful faces on video and entertaining you through that way. Also, uh, follow us on Twitter, most valuable pod. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Most Available Podcast. But we have a very special announcement here at Most Available Podcast because our very own Mark Weber, who's very talented in his own right in terms of stuff. He is very talented, but I didn't know he was talented in, in this way. Yeah, so I guess Mark is a pretty awesome musician, and this man is releasing his album on Tuesday. It is now Thursday, August 4th, as I record this podcast. But special shout-out to Mark Weber and his album called Silence of the Soul. So keep an eye on that. We're going to be posting a track from his album very soon. So check that out. You'll like it. Yeah, it, it's definitely weird because you know when I when I first met Mark, you know he, you know Ricky introduced him as the second boss, and I've done like one thing with Mark before. And yeah. then I, but I never suspected he would be putting out his album. I'm pretty sure he did all of it by himself. Yeah, it's fantastic. So. You guys got to check it out. Make sure you listen to it, and also make sure you give us credit because really we're the brain trust of this whole basically thing. Yeah. We're, the, we're running the show here. Um, but, well, yeah. So, <laughs> what do we got today? What do we got today? Well, baseball. It's got to be baseball because playoffs are on, on its way. Trade um, deadline just happened. Trade deadline went down. So let's see. Dodgers we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about White Sox because you're a White Sox fan. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the White Sox as well. Also, some uh, former Bears teammates have been uh, spewing and running their mouths and saying some stuff. And okay, well, one of them wasn't spewing their mouth. One right. Of, one of them was. One's giving high praise and one's saying he's the worst. So. Well, yeah, there's <laughs> different sides of the spectrum there, so we're going to break that down, so stay tuned to all of it, but we're going to start with the Los Angeles Dodgers today because they made a pretty blockbuster deal, really, in terms of the value left in the market around the trade deadline because they acquired a pretty good right fielder in Josh Reddick and a resurgent Rich Hill. A very weird Rich Hill because you you always you know you remember the name of Rich Hill but you never actually feel like he was actually like a, a true part of uh, of like a, a great pitcher really uh, like you know you always heard him in the MLB but he was never like a, a top ace or he was never yeah. a top two pitcher yeah when he was with the Cubs he had one really good year and then he kind of fell off and dealt with a lot of injuries he tried to rehab and come back with the Red Sox but nothing. Really panned out for him until he went to the A's. And the Oakland A's, he killed it this year. And he earned every right to be on a championship contender. And that's what the mm-hmm. L.A. Dodgers are this year, believe it or not. And and the thing with, like, Rich Hill, going back to that, I mean, like, when he was actually a starter, I mean, he had some pretty good years in Boston coming out of the pen. But, like, when he was an actual starter, outside of this year, his his lowest ERA was 392 or something like that. And that was the year with the Cubs. So. Yeah, very respectable number. Uh, I always liked Rich Hill. I was a mm-hmm. fan of Rich Hill, but it was just too bad that... He kind of fell off. But speaking of the Cubs real quick, before we move on to the Dodgers talk, did yeah, you see this Mark Pryor article on SI.com? It was pretty interesting. No, I, I knew he was trying to come back like a couple of years ago. Yeah, but yeah, no, that's he, over he quit with. That. Yeah, he's he quit done. That. Um, I think his last comeback attempt was in 2013. But he, I guess it was like a Players' Tribune-type article thing where they write them, their own stories. But mm-hmm. obviously they don't do that. They have people who do it for them. But he told a story about how people should stop blaming Dusty Baker for his injuries and it's really cool. You guys really? should check it out. Mark Pryor was my favorite pitcher growing up. Man. Same. The story was very... No. Him and Kerry Wood. Yeah. Because well, I, I used just, to be a Cubs fan. It was unreal. Yeah. The dynamic. But whatever. We, we digress. <laughs> We're going to go back to the Dodgers here. And I, I was not really big on the Dodgers going into this season. Maybe I was just naive to the fact that... Really, because well, they they're young and they're filled with depth. But I, I really didn't 
think they were a playoff threat. Well, and plus, I mean, you have Kershaw, obviously, best pitcher in baseball, and but then you go and lose Granke. Right. You're bringing in a new head coach in Dave Roberts, who hasn't really proved himself as a manager. You know, obviously, Jack Peterson had a great year last year, but he obviously had a yeah. complete downturn at yes. the end of that year, so you really didn't have a power-hitting outfield. Puig was up and down. Puig was dealing with injuries last year. I mean, that team's getting older with, you know, that team, the parts of the team's getting older, a lot of it's getting younger, so there was a lot of moving parts in that in, in that team. I'm glad you brought up Puig, because we're going to talk about that conversation. Is it a fun mm-hmm. Very oh, we're going to be conversation there yeah. because uh, I'll bring it up in a second. But yeah, pretty much he got demoted and he wasn't happy with it. But backing up to that trade, Rich Hill and uh, Josh Reddick. You know, Josh Reddick was definitely the prize left-handed bat next to Jay Bruce. I think, yeah, Jay Bruce is probably the best. Yeah, I mean, he's leading the, he was leading the NL, NL in RBIs. Yeah, but with the Mets situation, they were desperate. But and Reddick is younger too, so you gotta you gotta add that in there. Yeah, Reddick Reddick is a high contact guy who gets on base a lot, and he's a really good guy, really good clubhouse guy, and he really adds to this depth of the Dodgers right well, now. Well, even with Reddick too, he's shown pop before. He hit, he hit thirty home runs in a season. Yeah, he's before. a very consistent hitter. So uh, what they got in Reddick was was huge, and really. Like I said, they're young. They were young, but they're so filled with depth. They have three top 50 prospects, so that's something to build on. We saw mm-hmm. Urias make his debut. He's like 19 years old, so that was impressive. But the, really, they they spent a lot of money on Kenta Maeda this offseason, and he looks to be really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kershaw, though. They lost Kershaw. He's now on the 60-day DL. Yeah, and, and that's brutal. I mean, it's brutal for, obviously, the Dodgers' playoff run and just playoff standing, but it, it's also brutal just to see a guy of that caliber go down because, you know, you look at the NBA, LeBron James is basically a cyborg there. He's he's never, he, he's he's always like a, a consistent form of health. Same with Tom Brady outside of that one year where he, he, uh, he got taken out and, and Peyton Manning as well. You know, what, you want your stars always performing. Uh, you know, Trout and Harper have, have stayed healthy so far. It, it, it just sucks when you see a guy like, Clayton Kershaw of his caliber go down yeah. and then especially it hurts the MLB yeah yeah and especially if, if, if that if these injuries continue to hurt him down his career then it's going to be like oh what if he didn't actually ha- suffer these injuries yeah and man that's been the story of the Dodgers season really they've just been hurt and injured and that DL has been loaded every single week. It's really bad. They have a full 25-man roster now, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they were like 27-man <laughs> roster on that DL. At some point, it seemed like they were never going to be able to get through this injury bug because... They lost Hunjin Ryu, uh, Trace Thompson's hurt, and as we mentioned, Kershaw, and the list goes on and on. Andre Ethier as well. I mean, how much we can value Andre Ethier, that's up to you. Puig was out for a bit. Yeah, so look, this Dodgers team, they, they've taken strides. Throughout the season, first half, they were right around 500 for the most part, but now they're starting to make their stride, making their case. They're currently the top wild card uh, spot in the National League. They hold that. But uh, let me ask you this. Do they have enough... To compete with the Giants in the West, um, I mean, it, it's. T- I mean, it, you, I think it ma- mainly depends on how well Kershaw comes back. Because right now, I think I think it, they're going to obviously struggle until I think he, he's able eligible to come back uh, at the twenty seventh. Uh, Kershaw is. I think it's really going to depend on how well they can do without him. How well can these guys step up and be top aces or fill that spot of a top aces? Uh, how, how much can they stay healthy? Because we obviously seen the health there. And the thing with the Giants is they've been struggling of late. I mean, I think they're three and seven in their last ten games. So they've been struggling there. And they're a team that is very veteran savvy. So it's a team that can turn it on, and ju- they probably just need that one spark to turn it on. Or the Dodgers, that's going to be a continuous struggle. I think they don't have enough in place just because looking at this team and looking how decimated they are, it's tough to say, well, looking at what they are losing and, and what they still have on this team. I mean, outside of Corey Seager, who's been killing it oh, this first yeah. year, I mean, fantastic. A- Aegon's getting older and, and he hasn't regressed yet. But then again, you're kind of wondering when he will regress and if he will get injured again. And he's kind of lost mm-hmm. the pop in that bat. Justin Turner, I mean, he's been he's been great when he, he's come over to L.A. But then again, you don't know when he's going to start struggling there. And, and I mean, Howie Kendrick, you don't know when he's going to start struggling. All of these guys, you just don't know when that bottom's going to fall out. And I think I think that bottom's going to fall out soon. Where with the Giants, they have so many people yeah. there to fall back on. I think I think the Dodgers, with how thin they already are, I think they won't have that 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 ability to fall back on someone. Yeah, the Dodgers um, and the Giants, they're both obviously considered playoff teams. I think the Giants are a serious threat to win the World Series this year, and I'm not just saying that because I'm afraid of them. I think that what you were saying is true. They're full with depth, and their lineup is so solid. They're so mm-hmm. balanced, and the rotation's pretty good. Uh, Samarja's been a disappointment. It's uh, you know, it's, yeah. take what you can get from him. 
It's it's just been not good for the money that he is getting. But, but still, I mean, you look at Johnny Cueto. Johnny Cueto finally looking Very like good. an ace again. Mad bump. Bringing, yeah, I mean, obviously Maddox and Bumgarner, who's looking like one of the best hitters on the Giants. <laughs> I mean, with the way the way that he, I mean, obviously we know he's pitching. PV kind of having a resurgent year. PV now, you know, PV, PV at least being yeah, respectable. He got, he got demoted to the bullpen. I don't know if you saw that. That just recently happened. Well, it, well, it happens. Well, fuck. But we're, <laughs> we're not talking about the Giants as much. Only we bring them up because the Dodgers are making a run. They're two games behind the Giants, but... Right now, let's let's jump to this Puig conversation because in the wake of the Reddick Rich Hill signing, Yasiel Puig was asked to be demoted. Now, this was actually a really, really funny story, and let me preface this by saying last year there were reports that, well, first of all, nobody really likes Yasiel Puig because he has his own agenda. He does whatever the hell he wants. Mm-hmm. He's a bad teammate, and this has been reported. Smart baseball people who have been around the game a long time understand the type of guy he is, and it's not good. Let's just say that. So... Last year, I guess uh, there was some kind of altercation on the team bus, and Zach Granke eventually took Yasiel Puig's like bag of stuff mm-hmm. and just threw it off the bus. And it was just it was really funny, really, really funny. And even Adrian Gonzalez was like not having anything of Yasiel Puig. But so that just gives you kind of the picture of what type of person he is. So what the Dodgers were like, they were like, okay, it's either you're going to get traded or we're going to send you down. And Puig got pissed. He didn't like that at all. So. He just didn't get on the plane. Uh, I think they had a road trip to San Diego, and he just didn't go. So now he's in AAA. It doesn't surprise me because I mean, w- w- when we look at Pui consistently, I mean, he's just digre- I mean, he's just digressed every single year he's been in the, in, in the majors. I mean, he's he's gone from you know second in Rookie of the Year votings and fifteenth in, in Rookie of the Year votings to being an All Star the next year, and then just continually dealing with injuries and just not being able to hit that full potential that we saw when yeah. he was first signed. Uh, and, and the thing with it is, you know, you see all the, the potential, you see all the tools, and he's able to turn it on at points, but he's never do, able to do it consistently. And I think pro- it's most likely that attitude that he has is the thing that's affecting them, him the most. And maybe this demotion will light a fire under his ass and maybe push him to kind of turn it on every time he, he's out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, hope. I don't know if he's ever going to be back with the Dodgers Major League Club. I mean, they should just, in my opinion, just get up, just get rid of him. Just get rid of him. He he's just such a he's a punk. He is. Yeah, and I don't think anybody wants him either. And he's he's full of himself because you always you always see like you know his base running errors or, or his, he's his, lazy his, too. Yeah, him taking him disinterested. Basically, you, know? you need like the Bill Belichick of the MLB to to, to take this guy in and, and fix him because you you know you see all the t- talent that's there and you know you see this guy that's yeah. yoked out of his mind, but you, you don't see his power numbers up there. I mean, he's never hit over twenty homers in a season. You see a guy that's super fast, but he, I think he's only stolen like eleven bases in a in a season. I mean. I mean, he's making consistent base running errors. He's got a cannon of yes. an arm, but can never turn it on consistently. It's kind of like you want to Cespedes if Cespedes had like you know consistent maturity issues. Right, and that's a good point. That's a good comp too, because obviously there were reports of Cespedes, you know, just being his own player and doing his own thing. And the problem is we see with with guys like Cespedes and Puig, it's just there you can't. Be on your own agenda. It's straight, it's straight up is it, it like that. And the Dodgers, and it's it's obvious. Players don't like them. Management is sick of them. They're saying, "Listen, we don't want you anymore. So get the hell out." <laughs> so I, I don't know this Dodgers situation. That story was really interesting. It was different, but overall, this Dodgers team, we could both agree that we think they're a playoff team. Uh. I think they will struggle to get there, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if they made it. I, I would. I would. Put them outside right now, just because of how thin their depth is. Okay, cool. Because that really leads us into another conversation. Does it? <laughs> and let's let, let me ask you this. All right. All right. So within the National League, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that specific teams are going to be in the playoffs, like the Nationals and my Chicago Cubs. Those are just and the Dodgers. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, Giants. The Giants yeah. are definitely in. So let me ask you this: There are two wild card spots left. Who gets those last two? Yeah, I think like you said, the division leaders right now, the National Cubs and Giants, are locks. I, I, th- I think either the, the only team I could see falling would be the Giants, and I, I'd see them only falling to a wild card spot. I don't see them completely falling out of the playoffs. So I would say, you know, the, the Dodgers do have a, a kind of a, co- a cushion right there at two and a half games, but it's always hard to count out the Cardinals because, I mean, we've seen consistent year after year, they just find these guys out of the woodwork to come and be, you know, key components to their team. 
I'm also kind of looking at the Colorado Rockies. I know they just lost Trevor Story. They just lost him for the whole entire year. But if you look at their past 10 games, they're 8-2. and two. They, I mean, somehow, they're kind of like the Orioles. With, without a, a true ace here, they're, they're still you know consistently competing here. Uh, I, I think that you know they don't have a true superstar, which will definitely hurt them. But I, I think they have a lot of depth there and a lot of youth. The Rockies, depth. yeah. You don't think Arenado's a superstar? Okay, well I take that back. Yeah, he, yeah. Arenado's he's uh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah, he's top three third baseman. Probably the best yeah. third baseman, definitely in the National League. But among, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I would, I would probably just put maybe Donaldson in front of him. Yeah, but but yeah, no, my my bad. You're there. good. Yeah, he he. Well, I, maybe the thing is just in Colorado, it's hard to build a superstar. In that market, so I think that that's kind of what I, what I, what I meant there. But yeah, definitely superstar level player. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Colorado just with how hot they are, that's definitely going to help. Pittsburgh is not going to be in there. Yeah, I think the Mets, Rockies, uh, and Marlins are going to be the true and, and Cardinals. I think those are the four teams that are going to compete along with alongside the Dodgers. I will take the Cardinals just because of how consistent they are. I think they'll be able to to take that, and then I'll just take the I'll take I'll take the Rockies as well, just because of how hot wow. they are. Wow. I, I, I'll go bold here just because I think I think with how hot they are and with how much depth they have, I know Story is going to be a huge loss for them. You know, tremendous power hitter there, was knocking the ball out of Colorado. I, I, just, I just think that it's going to, going to have that home field advantage. And I think that they're I think they're going to be able to pull it together there. Sure, you know that's an interesting team to call a wild card threat, but um, yeah, it's it's interesting in the NL right now because teams that really emerged. Include the Marlins. Uh, the, I'm a big believer in the Marlins. If you've been listening mm-hmm. to Behind the Pen, I, I'm really high on the Marlins now. Especially they got D. Gordon back. They made that trade for Andrew Kashner. Giancarlo Stanton is looking like the guy we've always known. Um, the Mets, I don't believe in at all. I, I think they're done. I think they have yeah. too many issues. They lost Duda, it looks like, for the year. And that that acquisition of Reddick and... Or, and I'm sorry, not Reddick. Bruce, Bruce yeah. J. Bruce, thank you. And Cespedes is out too. I don't know. They don't really have a center fielder. Eh, and, and that rotation is and not the rotation's same rotation. The rotation's in shambles yeah, I mean, right now. Harvey, definitely. We obviously seen what happened to Harvey. Wheeler's been out. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're consistently dealing with, with injuries. Yeah. It, it's hard not to say the Marlins because you have a healthy ace in Jose Fernandez. So I, I would, I mean, most likely I would probably say Cardinals and Marlins mm-hmm. just because of how well those teams are. But I'll throw the wild card in, of, of the Rockies out there just because how hot they are. The beginning of the year, I had the... My two wildcard teams were the Cardinals and the Mets, and I think I'm going to change both of them. Well, maybe one of them. I can't write off the Cardinals. You can't. Just like you, you, can't. you can't do it because they're always there. I mean, Wayne, Wainwright, you know, coming back out of, out of injury has still been fantastic. And uh, the, the thing is that it's just you don't know how they're still doing if they are. So, and I didn't believe in the Dodgers then. I don't know if I believe in the Dodgers now, even though I just said they're probably a playoff team. I just can't. I don't know. I really... Right now, I I would have to go with, I'm going with the Marlins in the wild card. I mean, I'm going to say it right now. I feel like they're a bigger threat than the Mets, and then that leaves the Dodgers and Cardinals fighting for that last spot. So it's one of those two teams. I can't go out on a limb and say the Dodgers yet. They're definitely in the race, but I can't write off the Cardinals. Again, if Kershaw comes back in in that last month of September and comes out, then yeah, I mean it's going to be. But if Kershaw's the only one contributing to that Dodgers team, that's good. that's just not going to hurt help help them at all. I think I think the Cardinals are just deep enough, and I think that they're going to be able to deal with injuries better than the the the, the Dodgers can. Okay, so wrapping up the NL playoff predictions, we got. Nationals, Cubs, Giants, locks, locks, and then so your two wild card teams are. I will say Cardinals and Rockies just to throw a complete Rockies. wild card in, in with the Rockies, but it's most likely going to be the Marlins. They, they've been a surprise. I really like the Rockies. Their yeah. offense is powerful. Cargo is having a great year, and the rotation's impressive. I'm, honestly, I'm a, a bunch big of Cargo no fan, so yeah, I hate the Cardinals, I, man. No Cargo. Oh, Cargo. Okay, good. I, I love I love that lefty, and then the, his his bat flip where he just oh yeah, he's a great hitter. Yeah. He's a fantastic hitter. Anyways, uh, so then me, yeah. I, Two wild card spots, Marlins and Cardinals. I got to do it. I got to do it. It's so hard to write off the Cardinals. I, I mean, w- you know, again, they don't have that same pop they did last year. They don't have that same, you know, eye jumping right. record they did last year. But I mean, it could very well be Dodgers Cardinals. But I'm going with the Marlins. Hey, Don Mattingly has been a postseason uh, has been a, has been in the postseason before. Uh, it's impressive Mike what Matheny they're doing. Has done as well, and and Dave Roberts is a new head coach. I'll I'll, I'll take the I'll take the managers with experience over on the AL side. Now, okay, you're AL Central because I say you're AL Central because uh, you're a White Sox fan. Are you uh, are you seeing what the t- what the Tigers are doing now? Tigers are my AL Central winners. Really? If, if I'm talking about how hot the Rockies are, you you can't say 
you know, the Tigers getting J.D. Martinez back, his first at-bat, he hits a bomb off cool. Chris Sale on the first pitch he sees. They're 8-2 and two in their last uh, 10 games. I mean, that Jordan Zimmerman struggles and in injuries has obviously yeah. been difficult there, Lost but today. I, I, think, I, think the Tigers, I think the Tigers have enough there. I yeah. think they have enough to take it. You, the, the ALs... It's been a it's been a jumbled up kind of league all year with all these different teams competing, especially in the AL East. You got the Orioles, Blue Jays, and Red Sox just vying for that one top spot. Man, it's just separated by three games. They're gonna go at it all season. And then you had Cleveland. Cleveland mm-hmm. went on that crazy win streak, and they built up a nice lead in the Central. But then D- Detroit's coming back. They're yeah. only three games behind. And then over on the West, the Rangers made some moves. Got Lucroy, Beltron. They look really good. I'm going to peg them as the AOS winners right now. But I will too. Yeah, in the in the wild card standing, it's 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 interesting because like we said, the the Tigers are in it, and we didn't think they would be in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boston and Toronto, whoever whoever doesn't get that AL East crown, it could even be two AL East teams in the wild card. See, I, I would say that uh, there's going to be a team from the AL Central from that that wild card, whether it's the Cleveland Indians or the Detroit Tigers, just because the Indians made so many moves at the the trade deadline that made them a Andrew better Miller, team, big time. Uh, and then Detroit, I think, with how hot they are, they're going to stay in. Uh, Texas is a lock with the moves they made at the deadline and just how good of a team they are. I think they're a lock too. So you got three teams there. Uh, with the American League East, it's tough to put Baltimore in there just because of that rotation. Yeah, I mean, I agree. with that rotation, it's hard to say you know that that team's going to be a playoff team. But then again, they've proved me wrong consistently. But Blue Jays are hot. I will take the Blue Jays to win the AL East, and then I think I think it's either going to be Baltimore or Boston taking that that final wild card spot. Interesting, interesting, because a lot of people are high on Baltimore this year, and I'm not I'm not so much a buyer. I think Toronto's the best team in the AL East, and I think Boston's even better than Baltimore this year. It's hard to write off Baltimore because of that lineup because you have Adam Jones, Manny Machado, Chris Davis, Mark Trumbo, Matt Weeders as well. I know, I know he's They're kind of falling off of the bat, but I mean, he's big still big time contributor, especially Trumbo. Yeah. Huge, huge offseason acquisition. Yeah, and, and and with Weeders as well. I mean, we, he's one of the best defensive catchers in the league. So and he was one of the best hitters before he got hurt. Yeah, I, th- I think I think that I think I, I think it's it's tough to put Baltimore in there just because of that rotation. If that rotation can make some kind of upswing, I think that's going to be huge for them. But I mean, when your ace is Chris Tillman and and he's had a good year. Yeah, he's had a good year, but I think I think he's 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 shown to fall off. Before, he doesn't fill the shoes so. of an actual ace. Let's, yeah. let's be honest. But, exactly. But Baltimore has never had an ace. Sure. I mean, in the recent years, they have not had a true ace. Sure. Uh, so in the AL East, um, let, let's get this let's get this over with because yeah. uh, we just gotta we just gotta do it because they, uh, I, you can't even you can't even this is the dog days of the baseball season. August fourth. There's two months left. Uh, it's gonna be fun. But I gotta go with the Blue Jays in the East. Indians in the Central, even though I picked them in the beginning of the season to be a wild card team, that's okay. Indians in the Central and the Rangers coming out of the West. Two wild card teams. I got to go with the Red Sox and Orioles. I'm going to do it. I three AL East teams are going to make the playoff, just like last year in the uh, NL Central. I think I think the Tigers have enough. I think the Tigers getting JD Martinez is going to be a huge boost to the lineup. I think I think the Tigers are going to take the AL Central crown. I think the Indians Bold. are. Gonna, I think that's going to be very close between the Indians and Tigers there. Uh, so I, but I, but I think we're gonna have two AL Central uh, teams in the playoffs. So I'll take Tigers taking the 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 crown in the AL Central, and I will take the Indians taking the first wild card spot. I'll take the Blue Jays taking the AL East. I'll take the Rangers taking the AL West, and then that final one I will take Boston just because. Yeah, I just it, it's hard to write them off. Yeah, I I can't have Boston not in the playoffs. Yeah, it's just not in the card. I, I think I agree with you. All right, good uh good conversation there with the MLB playoffs. It's August. We're gonna be talking playoffs a lot, especially now with the race coming up. It's 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 crazy. One thing I do want to mention though, I mean, you know, w- with Boston real quick, they they make this huge splash getting David Price, and yeah. he still hasn't hit that stride in yeah. Boston yet. So I mean, that's another dangerous thing with Boston. I mean, Porcello's had a resurgent year. Yeah, Clay so, Buckles is bad. Yeah, oh terrible. <laughs> but if if Price can hit that stride and at the end of the year, like he kind of did with the Blue Jays, I think that's going to be huge for for Boston. Okay. Okay. Cool. Awesome. I really enjoyed that conversation. I love talking baseball with you. Baseball's fun. Yeah. Now let's, you want to keep doing it? Let's talk. Yeah, we we should, <laughs> and we should talk about something maybe less fun. Yeah. And your Chicago White Sox and Yale Something Central. Something more depressing. And you know what? We talked about Yasiel Puig. And interestingly enough, Yasiel Puig, I guess the White Sox were interested in him. 
Yeah. I Did mean, you see that? Yeah. I think uh, there was some weird rumor. It was James Shields for Yasiel Puig, which was... Really? That was the name? There was uh, there was some rumor, and people were calling bullshit to it. I, I just saw that. That only, that was the only name. Okay. That the, the Dodgers were desperate for pitching, so they would give up yeah. James Shields for that. Yeah. Um, I would If that was out there, I think Rick Hahn would have done it, because, I mean, that's that's an easy move for, you know, pushing a get guy in James Shields who you got for, you know, kind of nothing and has done nothing for your team, and he did, he did kind of bounce back there a little. Uh, but you know, with Puig, I mean, you, you have so much potential there. Uh, but yeah, no, with the Sox, I mean, it's just, it's just you, you didn't make a single move. Mm-hmm. You made one move at, yeah. at the deadline for Zach Duke. Yeah, yeah moving Zach Duke. But outside of that, no actual move to help this yeah. team either for good or better. I'm very glad you worse. brought up that point because that's what we're going to get into. But I have to wholeheartedly disagree with you on the whole James Shields Yasiel Puig thing. I would not trade for Puig. Because of the conversation we had before, that's one of the reasons he's just a jag off. That's fair. I mean, yeah, no, that's fair. Because, but I mean, you're giving up James Shields, who's no, basically but, but, worthless to this team. Hey, hey, the, hey, now this year, this year, you know, okay, yeah, he came up when he first what, got what, with the White Sox. No, no, no. When no. he first came up with the White Sox, he was awful, dog garbage. No, I bad. agree. I agree. Bad. But his last eight starts, he looks like the James Shields of old. Honestly, he's been one of their most consistent starters. You have Sale Quintana Shields. That's that's pretty good. He does. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I mean, the Sox are out of the playoff race. Right. I'll, I'll say right, that. Right. And you can unload a contract that he has. I think what four he's years. Got a pl- he's got a player million. option, but he's not gonna he's not gonna opt out of his yeah, remaining two years. He's getting paid twenty one mil. So I mean, right. you, you can move that contract. I know the Padres are paying some of that. You're gonna move that contract. You're gonna bring in a guy with in Puig who I think has a fairly reasonable contract there. And you know, yeah. if he doesn't hit that potential. Oh well, you're you're getting rid of a contract there, and, and Shields isn't going to help this team make a playoff run. This this team's out of the playoffs. All right, we, 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 we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this because um, the White Sox have been in this position. It seems like every single year since they made the playoffs, the last made the playoffs in 08. Yeah, and that that brief small appearance. It, it's in like 08. it's like they they like going for it, or they're the idea of going for it, and they want their fans to believe that they're good enough to go for it, but mm-hmm. yet. Realistically, they're never that good. In the past sixteen years, we made the playoffs three times. Well, yeah. I mean, it's easy as that. I think. I think we've made. I think we've been in second or first place like six times out of the past sixteen years, maybe seven. I mean, this team has never been able to get over that hump. Yeah, we've always been competitive, and they've always wanted to be competitive. But we've always been around, you know, under barely under four or barely under five hundred. What doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not a general manager. I don't know this. And Rick Hahn, honestly, he's a very smart guy. And mm-hmm. to me, if Rick Hahn wasn't overshadowed by Kenny Williams and you didn't have to answer to Reinsdorf every single time he wanted to make a move or do anything, I feel like the Red Sox would be in a better position than now. When they signed Morneau, I thought it was a great signing because he was so underrated. He's cheap, like $3 million. A cheap guy who might have a resurgent career. Yeah, and he's, a resurgent bounce back. Well, yeah, yeah what, so far. Like his last two seasons, if you looked at it, he looked he was really productive mm-hmm. before he got hurt and all of his concussions. But that's yeah. well, a different story. But still, <laughs> that was a nice move. And they they obviously got off to that 18-9 and nine start or whatever. Two Chicago baseball teams were the best in baseball in April, and it was really awesome. And then all of a sudden, they came back to earth. And then you look back, and it's like, okay, they traded for Todd Frazier. And then around the deadline, they were thinking about trading Todd Frazier. It's like, hmm. And then they went and, like I said, talked, signed more no. At that point, by the deadline, you realize they were out of the playoff race. Mm. And they kept him. And let's see, another guy, um, David Robertson. David Robertson. Melky, too. And Melky, and Melky. We'll, we'll get into that too because yeah. he's an interesting he's an interesting name. So mm-hmm. what I want to ask you is, are the White Sox right now? Okay, what's their next step? Are they going to trade a Chris Sale, Jose Quintana this offseason? Or are they going to do what they always do and try and go for it? I think they're going to go for it. But the weird thing is, they don't really go for it. They 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 bring in a lot of name guys with you know name power, but they never bring in guys that you know they never make a huge splash in in free agency. Because if you look at this payroll in the past eleven seasons, since uh, oh they're cheap organization, the no year, doubt about well, it. Well, the year after in a, in a pretty decent market. The year after we won the World Series, they were fourth in baseball. Two thousand seven, they were fifth, fifth, then twelfth, seventh, fifth, eleventh, eighth, and then now in twenty fourteen, twentieth. 15th and 15th we haven't gone out and made a huge splash in free agency in i don't know how long i think it was probably around that 2005 year where we made, went out and got that big name that that top five so name in free agency we've never gone for that name we've never gone 
for that player, and they kind of go for it, but they kind of put their foot half in because yeah. it's like, oh, we'll go get Todd Frazier, but you know, Todd Frazier is uh, a, a you know a boomer bus guy, yeah. kind of like Adam Dunn. Uh, you know, you're kind of looking at a guy like David Robertson who was a decent closer when he was with the Yankees, uh, but you know he was good. He was overshadowed time, by yeah. Mariano Rivera. I mean, he was he was with Mo, Mo yeah, so I yeah. mean, it's it's hard to say he was he was you know a product of. Just being a great player, Melky Cabrera has been up and down. Dealt with steroids, steroids. You know, he, yeah, he was that never, issue that's in the past. But yeah, no, no. But what I'm saying is, you know, he he didn't have that same name recognition right. because he did have some tainted legacy behind. And him. And his first two months with the White Sox were god awful. Yeah. But overall, he he was a really well, nice signing. Bat. Yeah, he's a very bat. nice signing. Probably their most productive bat over the last few seasons. With the White Sox, it just it perplexes me every single year because they they go out and make all these splashes, and I feel like they they do the wrong things. But I. It's hindsight's twenty twenty, right? But with the deadline, you see how quick the Yankees turned around just right away. They had two really high-value arms, and they moved them both. Mm-hmm. And they also were able to move a guy with an expiring contract who's old and got some value for him in Carlos Beltran. Doesn't that excite you? Let me ask you this. As a White Sox fan, if you could buy a jersey and it wasn't Chris Sale, who would it be? Mark Burley. It's very see. It's <laughs> very hard to I, I do that. They don't have the no. consistent mainstays, and even this off season, a guy Fair. like Todd Frazier, he might be gone. I'll give you your answer, Tim Anderson. Okay, be- yeah, just he's, because yeah. he's got my last name. So then, if he's hey, off the team, uh, well, boom, there we yeah. go. Well, Tim Anderson is something very exciting to build on. Oh yeah, you know he's been fantastic. And, and the thing is with the, with with the White Sox organization is, you know, I don't want them to trade Sale or Quintana, and I don't think I think that's a drastic move there. But then again, it's like you don't right, we ha- you don't want Quintana or Sale traded. I don't want Sale traded, but you th- could trade Quintana. You think? I think you could move Quintana if if this team truly falls off. But but the, with how yeah. much they've been competitive and and how how good this rotation can be, I. I think you can keep those guys around. But the thing is, is those guys are still in their prime. Those guys aren't like over the hill. Those guys are still in their prime. I think Quintana is yeah. almost near his, like near the start. Yeah, he's of his still prime. consistent. So I mean, the thing the thing with that is, why get rid of guys who are still in their prime that you could still build around in like three years? You got to build up this farm system that's terrible. We've always had you know low payroll yeah. and terrible farm systems. We never had that you know blue chip prospect. You know, you never had a guy like a Mike Trout or or a Chris so, Bryant. <laughs> let me ask you, you this: You ever have a guy like you, know, you ever have a guy like I'm oh, asking wow, you lots Sox, of stuff? Yeah, no, I, I you hear ever, you. You have a guy like a White Sox are like, oh, the White right. Sox can bring up this right. guy. Yeah, you're, like, you're oh, counting down the guy. days until he's he's called up. Right. It's like, oh, we brought in Ken Griffey Jr. With the with the White Sox, okay, it's very it's very hard. I would, I guess, earlier in the season, right, there was a King's Ransom, apparently, and I air quote King's Ransom because we don't know what the package was for Chris Sale, and they flat out said no to it. Mm. I would be interested to see the names in that, but from the Red Sox. With the White Sox, though, I feel like there are some a lot of teams that they could work with this offseason. And Rick Hahn said it himself. He didn't really feel like he should move guys at the deadline because it restricts them, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you look at it, and he made it, he put it in a really good perspective, and it made sense. He's a smart guy. He said that by the deadline, you have really limited teams who are willing to go out and make a move for top line players to go for a playoff push. Compared to the offseason, you have multiple teams. Who think that they can at least compete? And with Sale, I guess. Well, they were limited at the deadline. Was I'm saying because yeah. they weren't going to get a major league caliber talent right away that they could plug in. They were they would have to bank on the prospects in return. And Chris Sale is a for sure thing. Prospects are always a gamble. No, no, I agree. And the th- the only thing that would make me decent with a with a trade would be a, you know a Red Sox package of Yon Moncada or Yon, but both of those guys. What about Moncada. Chris Sale and, and Moncada straight up? Would you do that? God, no. No? I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that at all. It's pretty close, though. Because Moncota, he's say, like... Say, name, name, a, name a better left-handed pitcher that's not no, named no, Kershaw I, I in the agree. MLB. I agree. Chris Sale is is super valuable. But you look at Moncada and what all of the tools that One he has... One injury takes that away, though. Sure. Sure. And every, nothing is guaranteed. Exactly. But this player looks to be as complete a player, a mainstay of, mainstay of a player as there is in the major leagues right now. Moncada is the guy. So you get him. You get a mainstay position player for the next 15 years. Doesn't that sound nice? You don't know if he's going to be one, though. Yeah, but he he's, like I said, see, Chris, he, Chris he can't Sale, see the future, but still. Chris Sale is an ace yeah. for, for the next three to five years. 
I mean, he he is a ace. He's a guy that you can lock down. And I mean, it's it's he's just dominant. You know, he's been dominant this yeah. year. He's been dominant. He was dominant before. I mean, he he just needs to find that consistent spot where he can strike out guys and also you know pitch for contact to guys. And I think that's the only big struggle that he has. But still, I mean, outside of that, if he never figures that out, he's still one of the top arms in baseball. Man, it's so easy to talk White Sox. It's so easy because there's so many things going on with this work. It's been such a weird year. Chris Chris Sale should not be traded. I, I, I would feel so, I would feel just wrong if we traded yeah, him. Yeah, I know a lot of people don't want Chris Sale out, but I think at this point in your organization you have to at least consider it. See, but I think I think with, uh, you, you mentioned that though, you, Carl, Carlos Beltran, a guy who I think is near 37, 38, 39. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's getting a return of, I think, the Rangers' fourth pick in 2014. I mean, you, you can get a guy like that. I know he's been right. struggling uh, for the Rangers, but still, you get a guy with a lot of potential who is, who is that blue chip of a prospect for a guy who's 39 years old. That's you have a guy that, like David Robertson yeah. where you know the, the Nationals right. needed a, a late-inning closer. I know they got uh, Going Malenkin, back to that, but yeah, yeah. But, but you still needed a guy in the bullpen there. You get a guy, uh, or you have a guy in Todd Frazier. I mean, that's a right-handed power bat right there. You don't trade him. Melky's a great contact hitter. I mean, there's so much yeah. that you could have done for the, the White team. Sox. I guess had believed, and this was this goes back to before last year, the offseason going. There was a three-year window for them to win, and that's why they signed Melky to that contract. That's why they this year went out and got Todd Frazier. They believed mm-hmm. Adam Roach would still be here. Like I said, though, what a weird season for the White Sox. It goes back to Chris Sale cutting up jerseys because he didn't want to wear the throwbacks, and oh, and uh, Drake LaRoche being a team leader who's like he's like 11 years old. Has his own locker and it's like it's a joke. It's so it's well, so funny. And, and one thing, I mean, you know, you look at a guy, you look at you basically a two man GM situation yeah. in, in in Chicago with the White Sox. All right, in, in Rick Hahn, who basically has the job, but he always has to answer Kenny Williams. Yeah. And you have a, a a crazy owner in in Jerry Reinsdorf who keeps bringing in old players and won't trade those players at the oh, deadline. I, I just oh. feel like he just doesn't care. Yeah, no. But the thing is, is you got a, a, an owner who just wants to bring people in the seats and tries to make a playoff run in, with what they have and just bring in. Except he to restricts guys. payroll. Yeah, it restricts p- payroll. But then you have a guy who is has the GM title who has to answer to another guy. Right. And then they keep bringing old players so they won't trade at the trade deadline. Weirdly enough, sounds like another team run by Jerry Reinsdorf yeah, from the Chicago Bulls I know. brings in older players, <laughs> won't trade him the deadline. You have two GMs. Yeah. It, it's a mess. I, I think I think the clear problem here is Jerry Reinsdorf. And I think Rick, Rick Hahn's a capable GM, but he's never able to do his job. Well, unfortunately, until Reinsdorf ultimately sees his end. Basically. It's it's going to be nobody else running this team. I'm not rooting for Jerry no, Reinsdorf no, to die, no. but it, no. I mean, and it really, I mean, it's God, they it's they just got to take a direction with the White Sox. They just have to pick a lane, and this goes back to even in May when I was talking about this too. I I I'm tired, and I I'm not even a White Sox fan. I feel like at this point you're sick of being the mediocre team that's like, yeah, yeah, we're really excited. We won the winter meetings. We won the offseason. And yet they're just mediocre again mm-hmm. and again and again. So with this whole thing, yeah, like to wrap up this conversation, because we're kind of rattling off, but it's yeah, so yeah. easy to talk about the White Sox because they're so easy to bash. You want to talk about the Cubs? Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, we could go on for years with them. But like, so They didn't do anything at the deadline besides move Zach Duke. And I understand, like I said, Rick Hahn had his reasons not to make a move because he feels like he can have more flexibility this offseason. But it's really disappointing when you see that guys like Justin Morneau still on the team, Avi Garcia still on the team, David Robertson still on the team, even Todd Frazier if you want to include mm-hmm. him. It's just, like, please, just pick a lane. You saw, you saw teams that were desperate, though. You see, you see the Red Sox that needed some pitching help. You saw the Nationals who were truly desperate and needed uh, bullpen help there. You saw the Rangers go out and get basically, you know, you, they got Beltron and they got right. and they got Lucroy. And I know, uh, you know, a guy like a, a guy like Beltron has still been fantastic. That He's way. valuable. He, and and it'd, be, a great it'd be tough to play a guy like Todd Frazier in in uh, Texas because of Adrian Beltre at third. But I mean, then again, you can play one of them at DH. I mean, I think I think there was definitely a move out there. That could have been made. That could have helped this future of, of, of the White Sox. We don't want to be downers here, right? We don't want to be like major White Sox downers. But well, at the same time, it's just you look at the what's in front of you. You need a new hitting coach. <laughs> you need a new manager. You need a new owner. <laughs> well, to me, yeah. Well, but hey, positives, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, Carson Fulmer looks like he's going to crap his pants every single time he's in a big spot on the mound yeah. of the big leagues right now. But at the same time, you can see that there's potential there. One quick thing on Carson Fulmer: if he's going to be a starter, why not? Stretch him out in the minors and let him start. This year is nothing. Right I, now is nothing. I completely agree. So I stop, no stop bringing him in as a reliever. That's one qualm that I have. And then another thing is Zach Collins, the catcher that they drafted, and Zach Birdie. Those two players, um, 
And that's something to be excited about. Birdie throws 100, could be your future closer. Collins looks like 10th overall pick. Looks like he can be a pretty, I believe he was the 10th overall pick. I could be wrong. He looks like he could be a pretty decent catcher in the major leagues. Something to be excited about. Tim Anderson, Tyler Saladino. Maybe you re-sign Brett Laurie, you figure it out. You still have a dominant ace in Chris Sale. You still have a fantastic number two, one of the best yeah, number but twos when in, is it, in the what, league in, in Quintana. When is it that you stop trying to build around those two and try and actually build for something in the future? You know what I mean? Well, I, the thing is, is Chris Sale's not that old. Quintana's not right, that old. Right, right, but you they're wasting s- their prime years right now. And they I feel are, bad they for are, Sale. They are. But, but, all right, yeah, but yeah. I, think, I think you still have enough time where you can keep them in their prime. Overall, I think the White Sox are going to be very, very active this offseason. It better be. And it's going to probably piss off a lot of White Sox fans. I have a feeling that either Quintana or Sale are going to get traded. I, I would be fine with Quintana. I, or, I, I Honestly, I'd be fine with either one. I don't want both go. Uh, but the thing is, is I, I agree they need to pick a lane. And if they don't, that's going to be detrimental to this team. All right. Well, thanks for talking White Sox no with problem. me, man. It was, a, it was a good one. It's always easy to, like we said. Yeah. But we got to move on to... Our final topic, and it's usually the most fun topic of Behind the Pen because I always got to throw my Bears talk in there. So we're a couple weeks into training camp now, and of course some familiar storylines are being brought up, like uh, Leonard Floyd and his weight problem. I don't know what the hell's going on there. I think he'll be okay. Who knows? Alshon Jeffrey's hurt. What else is new? He's got a hamstring. Yeah. Not good. Uh, Marcus Wilson, he... Freaking broke his foot before it even started. And doesn't surprise me. What else is new? Yeah, and uh, I think Jay Cutler's in the news as well. Oh yeah, and uh, some some freaking idiot. Some, well, two freaking idiots, three freaking idiots. Because oh, yeah. I gotta bring in. So yeah, yeah. If you guys if you guys didn't hear about this, I'm laughing because it's just so funny to me that this stuff is happening. It's just people are obsessed with color for some reason, but whatever. So I guess Brandon Marshall first off says, "Oh, I think Cutler can be an MVP this year." And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have the Bennett brothers, Marty and Michael, saying, "One, Cutler's the worst quarterback in football, and two, Bennett, uh, uh, Marty Bennett said, what did he say? I forget. Uh, Martellus Bennett said, uh, you know, I would be wide open, and then he would chuck it down the field and throw an interception to a guy who was in double coverage. See, it's that he's not, he's not completely <laughs> wrong. It's happened before. Well, yeah, it's happened before. Yeah, I mean, yeah. But no, it's it's just so funny to me that like this stuff is is coming up and with Martellus Bennett saying all that thing, it's like why? See, with Marshall, I don't I don't have a problem because of friends, course he's just running his mouth as always. He's our best friends, him color. Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing with the with thing with he was saying he's more of an MVP level quarterback. And I think if you're throwing Cutler in there, there's like 15 MVP level quarterbacks yeah, right. then. <laughs> and you think he said Fitzpatrick is elite, so I think yeah, the, right, if you're 15 yeah. through 25, you're elite. Um, <laughs> I, and the thing with the Bennett's, I mean, I think I think that interview was hilarious yeah. too. I mean, they were jokingly calling Sam Bradford the best quarterback in the NFL. I, I hope, yeah, I hope people don't take that that whole interview seriously because you could just read it. And you, yeah. if you know the Bennett brothers and how just imaginative, I'd like to say, hmm. in terms of what they what they how they express themselves, you can't take them seriously ever. No, but but, but they they do bring up good points in in some in some parts of it. But but the thing that I do want to bring up though is you have Marshall who's saying he's a top one of the top quarterbacks in the league, and you have the Bennett saying he's one of the worst quarterbacks in the league, and that just seems like a consistent narrative, not only in outside the NFL and outside of you know non Bears fans, but even in with Bears fans, it's like you know Cutler's the worst quarterback in the league, or Cutler's the best quarterback the Bears ever had. It, it's it's always He's fighting in between. Cutler sucks. Bench yeah. Cutler. Give me Josh McNown. How, I need him. How many comments we sift through where it's like, all oh, these guys are Bears homers that don't know anything about Cutler. Cutler's terrible. Well, yeah. Cutler is a, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback to a top-level quarterback. I mean, he's not, he's not in the top five. He's outside top ten, close, that's for sure. Nobody's close, saying yeah, that he is. Close to the top ten, but he is he is still a serviceable quarterback. I mean, he's better. Oh, he's more than serviceable, in yeah. my opinion. I, I, no, 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 I know I, what you're saying. I exactly. mean, right now, I think guys below him could definitely jump up. I mean, guys like Blake Bortle, Marcus sure. Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston. I mean, these guys who are younger, who really haven't proven themselves completely yet, I think they're below him and can move up. But, I mean, even guys like that, I mean, above him, Tony Romo's getting older. Eli Manning's getting older. I mean, I think Cutler can still stay around that middle of the pack. Yeah, I feel like if you want to rank Cutler in terms of quarterbacks, you want to comp, I'd say Matthew Stafford, Joe Flacco, I mean, Tony Romo. Tony Romo's better than Cutler. Yeah, Tony Let me Romo's say that. Uh, but I feel like he's in that mix. I would peg Cutler as probably 13 or 12 right now in terms of quarterbacks number-wise. I would say 13 through 16. That's, just be, just that's because fair. you cannot rely on them consistently. That's fair. But let me counter your point with this. Did you know that Cutler 
is second all time in go ahead or game winning fourth quarter touchdown passes. Oh, I don't care about that. Behind Tom Brady. Oh no, it's not. How it's can not you about not? That. How can you it's not care about that? The consistency to, is what you're talking about. No, game to game basis. But he's always. It's, he, it's always. It's, it either seems to be up and down. He, I'm, he, I'm not saying he's clutch. There's a difference between clutch he is and clutch. consistent. You can be consistent, and you can be consistently bad, or you can be consistently great. You can be consistent, though. He's always been consistent. He's never had you know a huge spike. He's he's toned down the interception numbers, but then he's also toned down the 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 t- t- touchdown numbers. Yeah, he's always been near the same ratio of uh, of uh, touchdowns to interceptions. I mean, he's he's a, he's a consistent quarterback who's consistently. In the middle of and that. people always are throwing out his record, which is around 500. His touchdown interception, his touchdowns, um, uh, they're they're going up. He had a career year last year, and that goes with the system that he was in. But this is mm-hmm. going to be an opportunity for me because I know you're you're a Cutler fan, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, you're not oh, one I'll of those guys. Him. I'll defend him. Unlike our boy Ricky Widmer here at MVP, he hates him. I just don't understand why. He's just jealous because yeah, Cutler's a better quarterback than Bridgewater absolutely, right now. Absolutely. Right I think Cutler's second best quarterback in the division. I'll say that. He's mm. be- I think he's better than Stafford, and I think he's better than Bridgewater. I want to see what Stafford can do without Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I don't know. I, I just That's a different conversation. But yeah. there, there's just an opportunity for me to explain why Cutler is better than what you perceive him to be. Because what Cutler can do on the field is something that not a lot of quarterbacks can. He's athletic, extremely athletic. More, much more. He's got size, obviously. He's got that big arm, but he's got such great pocket awareness that he's able to you read rushes, maneuver around the pocket, step up, make those throws. He's clutch. He is absolutely clutch when it comes down to game-winning drives. Like I mentioned, that that one stat, he can move with, move on his feet. And yes, there are flaws in Cutler's game. Absolutely, one of them is if his first option isn't there, he panics. Mm-hmm. And he won't look at two or three. His mechanics aren't always A+. Plus. And, and everybody talks about his mechanics, but, you know, what are you going to do there? He is how he is. Yeah, no, but I'm just saying. I mean, no, that's true. How, how many back foot throws this guy makes? I mean, yeah. or front foot throws. I mean, no, I mean he's got the power to complete those passes. Yeah. But especially early on with the Bears, we saw that a lot. He was making poor decisions. But with that, what we saw last year, with the limited talent that he had around him, we saw so much growth in color, and even though he's, what, 32, 33 years old, yeah. he's still growing as a player, and that goes to the fact that this will be his seventh different offensive play caller, including Tressman, in his, what, since 2009, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 4, seven years? So he's had a different play caller in almost every single season? Basically. And he's had no offensive line? Oh, and uh, I forgot to mention, for those who think he's a pussy... Uh, this guy gets up every single freaking time. He gets knocked on his ass. This guy's tough. How can you question his toughness? It, it pisses me off. The thing, the thing that I, I, will, I will always go towards uh, with with the Chicago with Jay Cutler. I mean, is is more of it's not about Jay Cutler's mentality because people people just see people just remember the NFC Championship game where and he, he went out. I was going to bring that up. That's, that's, that's all people remember is is he went out and didn't come back. And was that kind of you know if he if he should have came back or not yes i mean yeah but the thing that i will always say is that you know in he does care and you know it doesn't look like he's not he, i know not, and that's the thing too a that's a perception there's but a it's difference wrong. between him and tom brady he's not tom brady tom brady's the greatest quarterback of all time don't expect him to go out there and get in front of people's faces don't expect him to be aaron Rodgers. it's all about you know, leading a man. team leading a team like that can jay cutler be a part of a playoff team yes without a doubt absolutely. and can he be a leader of that team absolutely i'm not sure absolutely can I don't know Absolutely about that. can't. He's a, he's a leader in his own right. Not everybody oh, has he's to not, be. Yeah, no, he's not the, the leader. guy to get in your face like Tom Brady, who's like very very uh, emotional on the mm-hmm. field, and we could see that. Color's a different player. Yeah, you no, know, he is. But I think I think Person. the thing is is if we if you put him on this team in 2006 where we had this fantastic defense, Color was your quarterback, Super Bowl winners without Absolutely. a doubt. Absolutely, without a doubt. But the thing is is I don't think he can be that key piece of a team. He's to gonna be have a Super to be this year. That's why that's why I'm tough to say, you know, I think you and Mark uh, in our predictions said uh, Bears are going 10-6. I have a tough time saying that because I don't know if Cutler can be that main focus point of that offense yeah. because, you know, he's, Jeffrey is obviously dealing with injuries. Kevin White's coming back. We don't know how well Kevin White can do in his rookie year. Sure, there's, yeah, a lot of, oh, there's a lot of inconsistencies. A lot of there's a lot there. of questions. And Absolutely. I don't know if Cutler can, can step up and do that, especially with uh, Logan's coming in and being that new offensive coordinator. Yeah, and I feel like what I've been reading and what I've been seeing, Cutler and Logan's have a really nice relationship. They, they get along well, and that's something that obviously needs to happen if Cutler's on your team because we saw it with Aaron Cromer, who's an idiot and is also psycho, Mike Martz, 
couldn't get along with him at all because he was getting him killed on every seven-step drop, and he would just keep calling the same plays. Idiot. Uh, Mike Mike Tice had a preschool playbook. Say that over and over again. Ron Turner, remember? Mark Tressman. Don't even get me started with the Tressman era. It was just, it's very, he wasn't around the right personnel, and despite the fact that he had Marshall, Bennett, Forte, we saw the production, and we saw what he could do, but he was always limited by what the personnel had around him, whether it was the offensive line, whether it was the head coach, whether it was the offensive corner, the whether play Whether it was calling, the defensive side, too. The, he got no help from the defense. Uh, the two years under Trestman, they were historically the worst ever. And the thing also that didn't help him was, is, you know, you have a guy in Josh McCown that comes in and does you know great with that team, and that obviously doesn't yeah, help because people are like, well, yeah. you bring in a guy like Josh McCown. Well, Josh McCown was really yeah. great that year. Color does things that other quarterbacks can't. Especially, and that's what puts him ahead of the pack in terms of mediocrity. Color is not mediocre. He is above that. He is a he is a top fifteen quarterback at the least. Cutler is kind of like Yasiel Puig in, in the fact that he doesn't <laughs> no. ha- he doesn't have a character issue. Uh, people think he has a character right, issue. He doesn't, but it also doesn't seem like he's always he's always able to oh, that's that such a bad comp. Well, Come on, no, 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 but I'm saying like it's a guy that he's, you see all this potential from, but he never can put all every single one part of that. Together at the same time, you see this fantastic arm, but you don't see the great playmaking at the same time. Yeah. You see this athleticism, but you also see his his bad uh, pocket yeah, awareness at he, times. You see his offensive line taking him down. I mean, there's no, there's no, a no. lot the mo- thing moving is, parts. Like that. He turns the ball over. That's obviously a knock. Whether yeah. it's fumbling or throwing picks at untimely position, and that's the thing that pisses off Bears fans the most is those picks. But mm-hmm. overall, Cutler is good enough to take you to the Super Bowl. Now, whether or not that'll be it this year, I think we don't know. I think he's in. I think he's good enough to be a part of a Super Bowl team. I don't think he can lead someone. I think a, he can. To, I think he absolutely can. Just, you just get the right pieces around him. I. He's I got think, enough talent to do so. I think if you know, I, we we saw that in 2011 when we made the NFC Championship oh, game. No, no, no. What was it? Uh, 2012 when he broke his thumb. That was the year, man. Yeah, but 2011 when we were actually there. 20 was it? 2010. I think it was 2010. 2010, 2011. Whenever we played the Packers in the yeah. NFC, I think it was 2010 because then they uh, went and played the Steelers. Uh, but the thing with that is that team was perfect for Cutler. It, you know, you had the defense yeah. around him. You had the, the weapons around him. Yeah, you had yeah. all of that come Run together. Game. You yep. had all of that come together, and they just couldn't put it together. And I don't know if that window will come again. And and I, I think Ryan Pace is doing a fantastic job. Yep. I think John Fox is a great head coach. I think losing Adam Gase is going to hurt because I think he. Yeah, I think but he I don't think there's going to be a significant fall off. Well, well, no, but I think more that he could have been the head coach of the future. I, I think I, I I was really high on Gase. And I think he'll struggle in Miami, but that's a different story. I, I just think that the pieces will never come again for Cutler to be a part of yeah, a Bears team we'll that see, goes we'll deep see, into the playoffs. Because what Vic Fangio is able to remember this coaching staff is a very very smart bunch of guys, and they have a lot of talent now. Defensively, much more so than they had last year. I just think this year is not the year for the Bears to make the playoffs. It's going to be next year and what they do in this offseason. I disagree. I feel like they're going to. We'll see. We'll see. I feel okay. like they're going to come on and they're going to. They have enough talent on the offensive side as long as they're healthy because freaking Alshon Jeffrey can't stay on the field. But you know, Cutler's got the weapons compared to last year, obviously. So, oh, and uh, Daniel Braverman. You, you, I love a kid. Oh, he's love him. He's going to make the team oh, and he's going to play. Oh, make the team, yeah, for sure. He's making. The team. Yeah, he's going to make. Really he, the yeah, he's going to make some nice plays out there. He's awesome. I love him. He's so awesome. I, I love him as a slot. Okay, well, we talked a lot of stuff today, Sean. Thank yeah. you so much for Thanks jumping for on. Oh, absolutely. Anytime. Uh, we we got to have a, a show with Brandon on soon talking about the MLB because oh, that'll that'll Brandon. be fun. That'll be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But thank you guys for listening. You guys on SoundCloud, you're awesome. Uh, YouTube, subscribe to us. Make sure you like or dislike. I don't really care. Call me an idiot. Tell me that color sucks. That's fine. Oh, but you're going to get enough. You don't even he have to tell me to that. He, he doesn't. It's going to get it. It's He's the happen. best quarterback in Bears history, bar none. So, like, get the hell out of here. Uh, Th- that might speak on, on how, how well our quarterback history true. is. And don't still. even give me this stuff that Sid Luckman's better. And, yeah, you can argue Jim McMahon is because he won a, quarter, uh, a Super Bowl, but give me a freaking Jim McMahon's break. not a great— he, he had Walter Payton as a goddamn running back. And I, the, it was a different era, best, too. Look yeah. at— it, 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 all right. We could talk about another— Freaking 45 minutes. He had a top three defense in the fucking NFL Ever. 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 (laughs) So, what else do I have to... Oh, Patreon. Patreon Patreon.com backslash most valuable podcasts. Uh, You guys will entertain you more if you become one. We really do appreciate We value your time. Thank you so much for listening. Also, check out Mark's new album. It'll be on MVP coming up soon, so keep an eye on that. Uh, Until then, for Sean Anderson, I'm Mike Rankin of Behind the Pen. We will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.